I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. Perfect weekend for the Big Four in college basketball this weekend. Iowa State stayed right in the thick of the Big 12 regular season title mix. Iowa State has two timeouts remaining. I don't think they're going to need it. The alley-oop lob from Wigginton to Lard. The call from ESPN, Iowa State 78-64. The Cyclones host Baylor on Tuesday night. Another game, another improbable victory for the Hawkeyes. Baseball pass. The call from FS1. Wieskamp's banked-in three-pointer from the corner puts the Hawkeyes at 20-5 on the year. The Hawkeyes host Maryland tomorrow night. In the Missouri Valley, it's February 18th, and we can say your first place, Drake Bulldogs. The Bulldogs tied for first with Loyola in Missouri State. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, in about 10 minutes. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, bottom of the hour, Iowa State and Iowa conversation. Uh, will take us up until we get out of here. We'll save a little bit of time for Tube Talk. What did you say was the early game? Virginia and... At Virginia Tech. Okay, give you that one at 6 or 5.30? 6. Okay. That's the ESPN Big Monday game. Uh, Big Ten has a... BTN has a Big Ten game. Look at this wreck, by the way. Did you did you see this? I did not, know. This is unbelievable. The spark, talking about Daytona. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sparks flying with, I don't know how many laps to go. I turn on almost at the exact moment that this happened. Are you... Have you ever done any racing, big race, anything like that? Gone to one? Gone to one. No, no, no desire. No desire at all. Nah, I don't. Nah, I don't think I'd want to. My dad went to Indy, the Indy Five Hundred, a couple of times. I, I heard for a lot of people, it's bucket list. Yes, that that's one someday. Scratch it off. Yes, kind of like right. the Kentucky Derby. Yes, yes, Except I have you that can't one. Can't bet on it. I mean, you can bet on the Kentucky Derby. You know what I mean? But you can't bet on the Indy Five Hundred. Oh yeah, you can. Well, you can, but I mean, you, you. Oh, legally, right? Soon, soon you will be able to. That's true. Maybe it'll go hand in hand together. Maybe the will. party at the Indy Five Hundred, I heard, is that's why you ridiculous. go ridiculous. Right? You don't yeah. see the race. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you're in the infield at the Kentucky, you don't yes. see the race. You just go. Uh, let's get to baseball for a couple of things. Uh-huh. Uh, before you get into your pitch clock, did you see the tweet from Ken Rosenthal uh, pursuant to um, Mustakis? who at the end of 2017 turned down a qualifying offer from the Royals of $17.4 million, right? $17.4 million he uh-huh. had in the bank with a qualifying offer. With qualifying, okay. Turn it down. Uh-huh. Wanted to go free agency. Signs last year for 8.7. Yeah. Signed this year 
for 10. So if he takes, so he's making essentially what he would have made in one year with the Royals, what he's making in two years with the Brewers. Think he's going to be shopping for a new agent? And he is not alone. This is baseball wide as we continue to wait on Machado mm-hmm. and Harper. Well, Wainwright was, uh, did you see Adam Wainwright? That, we need to stick together. And, and that's part of this article. It's from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Okay. I'm um, talking about Rob Manfred. He met with the media yesterday. Mm-hmm. Who wrote it? Was it Derek Gould? or? Uh, yes, you got it. Derek Gould. Who? Or is it Gould or Gold? It might be Gold. I think, yeah, you're, yeah, the second one sounds right. Yep. He, uh, he said that Manfred was very pointed in his comments, frustrated at times. One of the first things, though, you asked about the DH the end the last hour. Yep. That will not be part of 2019. He, he was pretty steadfast. Mm-hmm. They're not pushing that. What he's pushing is the pitch clock, mm-hmm. and it will impl- be implemented. He doesn't have to get an okay from the union, the players' union, about this. But he, doesn't he need to get it at spring training ballparks if he's going to implement it on opening day? Well, think around minor league baseball. Everybody else has it. Most of those parks are minor league parks. That's true, but a whole lot of these guys have been in the minors for years. Right. Well, well Sorry, I think I mis- misconstrued what you're saying. So what I'm saying is if you're going to bring in a pitch clock into Major League Baseball mm-hmm. that doesn't have one now, why wouldn't you have it in place when spring training opens this year so that the starting pitchers can f- become accustomed and maybe change their routine so then they're not being you know, caught off guard on opening day when all of a sudden they're, you know, the clock's ticking? And it will be. This from the article within the first few days of exhibition games this spring. Major League Baseball is going to put a clock on its pitchers. So that will be happening very soon here okay. in the spring training games. He can unilaterally say unilaterally say this is happening. I don't care if the union likes it or not, this is happening. Pace of play seems to be number one on his get done now list. So help help me out here. If we do see a – so it's, i got to think it's a warning to begin. Yes. And then if you continue – I mean, how many – how many not strikes do you get? <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be the phrase, but it doesn't work in baseball. How many warnings do you get before there's a, and I would think would be a, a, a ball is called? Or is a base given? I mean, I don't know. What it's is, a ball, yeah. It, right. A ball is given, and the other side of this, the other component is a batter. If they're screwing around, mm-hmm. a strike can be given Okay, by the, by the umpire. So Nomar Garcia-Power would probably not have succeeded in this era. Exactly. Pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, for guys like that, that hang around, mm-hmm. it is... And it's a good thing. I mean, a baseball game, you know the pitchers that are, they pitch at a good pace. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch. It's right. interesting. You're engaged. You're and they're, they're, their uh, defense behind them is into it, too, because they are not. They know whether to stay on your toes because yes. he's about to throw another pitch. Uh, the old story of Mark Grace yelling at the guy, hey, it's hot out here. You know, yelling at one of his pitchers <laughs> in right. right. a hot summer day because yeah. he's probably hungover and sweating it out. No, no, for sure he was. 22nd pitch clock. Now, this is going to be phased in. They call it a soft phase-in process for this year is what Manfred is hoping for, where it's not going to be automatic, boom, mm-hmm. snap your fingers, and you hit 20, it's over. If you go to a game, have you been to an iCubs game with the pitch clock? I have not. The first time I was there, and the first, especially the first inning or two, mm-hmm. it's very distracting. So where is it, it at, is, at principal park? Because the pitcher's got to see it, does he yes, not? Yes, there is one that is right back behind um, the net there at home plate, and then there's one out in the outfield, too. So the players can see it looking in, uh-huh. the batter can see it out there. So you have that part of it, and it's distracting for at first, and then you forget about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just the pace is so much better. And the same thing's going to happen here. There's going to be there's going to be whining and complaining. There's going to be plenty plenty of people moaning about this is not the way baseball was intended. 
There's never a clock in baseball. But you know what? It's a good thing for the sport. You know, I, I, I'm with you, Trent. I'm, um, you know, in a lot of ways old school. I, I thought the ties were okay in the NHL. I mean, come on. How, what, how stupid was that take? Right? <laughs> it's it's so much better now the way that, that they're doing it. We, we change. Yeah. You know, there wasn't it didn't used to be a wild card for crying out loud in Major League Baseball. Look what, look what some of these changes have done. Um, we'll take a timeout. We'll get into Iowa State and Iowa when we come back. I'm going to go down and let Dylan Montz in the front door. Trent Condon. Good call. Ames Tribune. We'll talk Iowa State when we come back. Bottom of the hour, probably a few minutes just after that. We'll get Scott Dockerman from The Athletic in here. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. It's been it's pronounced Gould, apparently. Oh, it is it, Gould. It is Gould. Derek Gould. Thank we, you, Whipper. We learn every day, Indeed. don't we? Uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Iowa State conversation with Dylan Montz next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is not the Avid Brothers. Dylan Monson's favorite band. This is a fine Winnipegger. It this is. is Trent Condon. I like it, Trent. Neil we, Young. We didn't have Avid Brothers in the system. You got to get it. it. It's good. It's kind of some, some folksy bluegrass okay. type of sound. It, it, it's really nice. Mr. Music, Dylan Motz. Indeed, he's with us, Ames Tribune, as we take a look back at Iowa State and Kansas State and ahead to tomorrow night. As uh, a depleted Baylor team makes their way yeah. into Ames. No Mason. Somebody else was out yesterday as well, and a 48-hour turnaround. We'll see if those guys are able to answer the bell. But boy, oh boy, Dylan, speaking of answering the bell, Steve Prohm's team did on Saturday afternoon in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Dean Wade injured or not Dean Wade injured, Iowa State was winning that basketball game. What a performance. Yeah, they came out really determined, I think, and um, they had a long time to sit on that TCU loss, so uh, that was kind of what I was paying attention to. What what was that team going to look look like? Because mm-hmm. I mean, Manhattan's, I've been there a few times, that's a tough place to play. The crowd is, is really into it, and it sounded like... Is it um, an underrated venue maybe in the Big 12 because of it? I, I think the so. The Octagon? Yeah, I, I think I'd throw it... I've been... I'm trying to think how many places. I've been to Iowa State, obviously, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Um, and I'd put Kansas State you know, up there. I, I think even from the TV, you can kind of tell that the students are really into it. And I think um, you know from the different things I was seeing from the Kansas State media... Sounded like it was as packed um, as you could expect, even for a game like um, Kansas was. So I, I think it's probably a little bit underrated. And then when you talk about the stakes and, and what's on the line for them, uh, yeah, I, I think it was it was impressive for Iowa State to go in and um, you know kind of uh, answer some runs with with its own and, and kind of um, you know try to buoy them themselves a little bit as they kind of uh, work through this latter part of the schedule. You know, I thought you made a good point here in the break when we were kind of BSing back and forth, Horton talking. 
Walker uh, and Wigington were just named the Big 12 uh, Co-Players of the Week. Your point, they, they only had one game. That was based on one game this week as Iowa State was off. That's, I mean, that resonates. Yeah, and I guess those shooting performances warranted it, too. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I thought that kind of stood out, too, just because um, I think, uh, you know, it's tough to kind of see, um, you know, all, all those games and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know who else maybe kind of stood out there in the week, but um, those two guys really kind of uh, helped carry them for sure. Dylan, uh, jumping into what we saw Saturday and, and going back to a conversation we had last week, it was a lot of talk about this team figuring out what went wrong in that loss to TCU and, and with the long layoff and the work that they did defensively. I We know about the offensively, how it seems like any one of these guys can go off at any time and put together a big performance. Defensively, what concerns you on that end of the floor still going forward, even as good as they were against K-State? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Cameron Lard has played pretty good through stretches here in, in the last several games. But, um, you know, I, I think matched up against a guy like Dean Wade early on, uh, even though Wade wasn't necessarily getting his shots, um, you know, Cameron Lard looked a little bit out of position, a little bit, um, you know, his he was a little bit frenetic and, and that's, wasn't necessarily where he needed to be. So I think, um, you know, if, if you can get him on a good night where he is kind of locked in and, and really in, in his spots, I, I think then that kind of helps a lot. But if he's kind of out of position and Jacobson's not on the floor, um, the ball screen defense is lacking. I think that's still another uh, big area that they're focused on. Um, then things can kind of go haywire. But, um, you know, I think if, if Jacobson can get in there, be physical, if Cameron Lard can kind of be that rim protector type presence where he's, he's bodied up against an athletic big and can kind of hold his own, um, that'll go a long way because I think the offense can figure itself out. But, I think if those guys can kind of do, you know, st- stick to their principles a little bit, I think, um, you know, like I said, that'll help. You know, it's uh, starting to become apparent. Cam Lard is is gaining uh, his coach's confidence more and more because his, his minutes are picking up. He's still only averaging 12 yet in his last four, you know, 2016, 21, and 21, and that's with some foul trouble uh, mixed in there along the way. So he's uh, uh, Coach Prohm realizes he's going to need the big fella, need the big fella on the floor, and the minutes are kind of uh, bearing that out. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because the, you've seen Iowa State short in its rotation too. Uh, just seven, seven guys. Seven guys played at Kansas State. You didn't yeah. see Zoran Talley. You didn't see Terrence. He plays a few minutes every now and then, Tally. But you're right, he didn't play on Saturday. Yeah, he'd been getting in in the the first half for Mm -hmm. stretches and then obviously coming back in in the second half. But, um, you know, I I think that was kind of to be expected. Uh, Prohm doesn't like to to go with, uh, you know, these big rotations or these, you know, the five-in, five-out look. I think he likes to really kind of stick to his guys and and let them figure out a flow and a game plan. And I think, um, you know, that's probably the blueprint that you'll see going forward is you'll, you'll have the same starting five. I think that's been established. Now and then you can have Wington and Lard come off the bench that can kind of give you a lift and then just kind of stick with that rotation because, like we've said, you're going to only play one big now at this point in the season and so um, it looks like it's going to be Jacobson getting in there as a little bit more of a, a you know a smaller five and then Lard coming in as your rim protector. Couple of freshmen that aren't part of the rotation: George Conant. We saw him a little bit with Cam Lard, obviously earlier this season, the suspension and, and some other things happening there. Kind of where he is developmentally wise. And also Zion Griffith, who a lot of people believed was going to be part of the rotation. Mm -hmm. Really haven't heard anything of those two freshmen here or last month or so. 
Yeah, I think for Griffin, it just it was kind of an odd man out type of thing. And, um, you know, with, with his body type, I think, uh, you know, Horton Tucker playing as well as he has, Tyrese Halliburton coming in, and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily play the same position, but just th- those minutes got eaten up really quick. And, and with the injuries early in the early part of the season to Wigginton and then um, the suspensions to Lard and Tally, it just, it you know, he got in looks and some opportunities, but when those guys came back, somebody's minutes were going to get cut. And I think um, I'm a little bit more surprised by Condit um, that he hasn't played more. But again, I think the fact that they're only going to play one big at a time, it, it makes it tough on him. And so I think it gives him time to kind of sit back and look and, and add some weight. I think that's going to be a big thing for him too because he has athleticism. He has kind of that Cameron Lard type of build too where he can go up and really play around the basket well defensively and be your rim protector. So I think, uh, you know, you, you maybe you would have liked to even redshirt him, but just like I said, the early part of the season wasn't going to allow you to do that. So I, I like what he's going to give them in the future, especially, um, you know, as as maybe going to next year where you can kind of tinker with what you do a little bit and maybe play two bigs at a time. I, I guess we'll see and maybe slide Jacobson to his more natural position at the four. Uh, Dylan Moss from the Ains Tribune is our guest. Dylan, a couple of football things coming up here. Um, but I do want to ask you, we're, we're a week closer to the end of the basketball season. Are you any closer to figuring out who's going to win this conference? I mean, what did that loss do for K-State now with, uh, with Wade being out and his status in question? They got You'd a have couple- to ask, I know, Kansas. Is it that easy? Yeah, it really. Are you trying to are tell you, you this you, for the last you, month, month and a half? It, it feels like it. Yeah, I, I even tweeted after the game. I was like, maybe Iowa State's bus can swing through Lawrence and pick up their thank you note from the Jayhawks <laughs> uh, on the way back to Ames. It, it, I. As of now, I'd say Kansas State is probably still in the driver's seat just because of what their schedule looks like. But, man, it it, it just has all the makings and feelings of Kansas coming up and at least sharing it. And who knows? Maybe Kansas State drops another surprising one. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it'll happen this week at West Virginia and Oklahoma State. But, um, you know, a week it, from it, tonight, a week from tonight is, is a huge game. So if Kansas State somehow goes in the Allen Fieldhouse and wins, uh, that locks it up, in my opinion. Well, you know, this this Saturday, too, boys, to I mean, Texas Tech in Kansas before Kansas has to play K-State. We're going to know a whole lot more about this conference, I think, by the time we get to that point. Would you like it if we got like a, and Ken Prom has this projected right now, a four-way tie at 12-6? No, and six. I don't want that. You it, want separation? Yes. I, I like a little bit of separation, too. I, it's... I mean, I guess then you kind of get more parity. I, yeah. I think that's what people have wanted. They wanted somebody to kind of mm-hmm. come in and, and um, knock on the door of Kansas. But I think um, to have the narrative go away that Kansas has a stranglehold on the league, even though they've shared it a couple times, somebody's got to win it outright. So I think that's kind of what uh, people should probably be rooting for. Do we know what that number is? Is it four of the 14 have been shared? Four or five, I, I want to say. I think four, four. Trent. Yeah, four sounds right. Yeah. Uh, the last time it was Kansas State in yeah. 2013, okay. right? So it's been so a while. It, it's been a while. I mean, they, they've won it outright. There's been a couple game, couple times where there's been a, a game separation, a couple times where Kansas has won it by a few games. So, um, yeah, Kansas State was the last one to get, get this close, and here they are again. Any worries about Baylor tomorrow night? Mason, quick turnaround, didn't play on Saturday. He's such a big part of that team, the transfer from the – uh, where did he trash for meal? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, there's probably there's less concern, obviously, if he doesn't play. But I think Iowa State's in a in a position right now, coming off that game, and with with this Baylor roster, how it's kind of it, it has been depleted, and they're kind of in a tough run too. They have to go to Kansas, I think, coming up here. They had to play at Texas Tech, um, Iowa State. They were kind of um, in a in a spot where they're they're. It looks like they're hitting a wall a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think p- people kind of. 
maybe thought was coming. They had an early um, schedule that was a little bit more favorable. So um, I guess after the TCU game, maybe there's a little bit of concern from people. But, um, you know, I, I think this is a game, Iowa State, obviously, if you want to ke- keep your nose in it, you got to win. And, um, you know, I think the matchups are going to be favorable. And if Shea, Shea can, can kind of get going again a little bit, um, you know, I think that bodes well. Dylan, you've told us in the past over to some football, Tom Manning after his year in the NFL. You know, one thing I thought was really interesting, you said you watched that Colts offense and what Manning had his fingers on it. They did a lot of collegiate things. How about back the other direction? What NFL-type things you think Manning's going to bring back with him to the Iowa State program? Yeah, I know there's people that have talked about Iowa State going under center in some sets and, and kind of mm-hmm. uh, trying to replicate offense, the, that kind of offense a little bit more. And I asked Tom Manning about that, and he said, that's really the kind of thing that he took away from working under Frank Reich and, and that NFL scheme is that um, you get a little bit more of the complexity of of those looks. You can kind of go under center. You can go, um, you know, five wide. You can go a couple tight end sets. Um, you can just kind of uh, add a few more wrinkles maybe than what a standard college offense has become. So. I think um, those are things that they'll, they'll experiment with this spring, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if you would see them utilize that a little bit more just because I think that was kind of the whole deal um, with, with Manning coming back is Campbell saw it as an opportunity not only to get a guy back that he trusts and, and respects and has worked with before, but can bring some new wrinkles and, and add some things to the offense to kind of help, um, especially with an offensive line. We don't know what it's going to look like and, and trying to replace a guy like Akeem Butler and or replace mm-hmm. a guy like David Montgomery, um, you know, adding a few more schemes and wrinkles to ha- kind of help that out and, and find yourself along the way is, is a big asset. So I think that was kind of the thinking. Have you seen anything? We'll let you go on this. Have you seen anything? Will you get Coach Campbell as a, you know, a spring football kickoff media availability? I know that they're very good during the, during spring football. They give you a position coach or a coordinator seemingly as, as, uh, as it goes on. But will you get, have you seen anything regarding it, Coach Campbell? Yeah, I would imagine we would get something on March 12th, I think is the, the date it kicks off. So in the past, we've usually gone, uh, you know, Matt Campbell on the first day, and I, I can't remember if it's any players, maybe a player or two, and then we can kind of go break down the positions. And then I think um, with them not having the spring game, I think we'd get Matt Campbell. It's kind of a wrap up too, but I, I got to think um, here within the next what is it, couple weeks, few weeks, um, when spring ball starts, uh, we get him uh, again. But it was kind of nice again to to get him the other week to kind of break up, um, you know, some of the time in between uh, the season and, and spring ball, just because there is so much that happened, especially with the staff changes and, yep. and some of those guys going pro. So I think it'll happen. Good stuff. It's less than a month away. By the way, the new AP AP poll is out. Iowa State moves up four spots to nineteen. Iowa stays at. 20. 21, 19 and 21 for Iowa State and Iowa. Uh, we'll take a time out. Thank you, Dylan. Good to see you. As always, we will uh, catch up with you on Friday. We'll take a look at TCU as the clones head on the road to Fort Worth. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Good Thank you. you. We'll come back with Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Miller and Con in half hour to go. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. You know what this is? Uh, no. Whitesnake. Our next guest loves the butt rock of the 80s. Does he? Oh, yes. This was the, wasn't White Snake the one that had the lead singer, the, the, his wife, his actual real wife, was in the video. She was climbing on the top of a car. That's who it is. Yeah. And then she married the left-handed pitcher 
Pitch for the Angels, Chuck Finley. Finley. There you go. We're doing it all today, Trent Condon. Movies earlier, if you missed that one. <laughs> we're trying to get into Audie the end more. Yeah, we're straight. doing our damnedest. Boy, we're a fish out of water. Scott Darkman from The Athletic. He'll save us as we will talk Hawkeye hoops and a little bit of football as uh, the Hawkeye football program signed a new D lineman. Let's start there, Doc. We'll get to the improbable ending of the Rutgers game in a moment. But uh, Van Volkenberg is how he pronounces the last name, I'm pretty sure. I don't know much about him other than he's got a couple of years left. But, Doc, I, the more I read, uh, maybe more than a depth player, which was kind of um, everybody's you know first uh, instinct while well, they're adding some depth. But there might be more than depth this there. How are you? Good to talk to you. Hey, I'm doing good, and I really wanted to talk about Whitesnake. Who's killing me over here? I'm like, I love Whitesnake, and I love those videos with Tony Katane and David Coverdale. But, but I'll, yeah, I'll get back to your, uh, your question about the uh, new uh, Division II transfer and, and really in looking at what he did and what he is. I mean, I think, yeah, I think this year he's probably a rotational piece, and that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I think body type and, and uh, size, it's going to take him a little time to get accustomed to what Iowa you know technique and uh you know but he certainly has a high motor and he was very good at hillsdale college which is a decent division two team and it's a good league it's in you know in the one it's league last year he was defensive lineman of the year and and uh you know looking back at what he was able to do in high school he led his team to two straight state titles uh he was a part of the detroit free press's um dream team for defense um you know, he's grown about 30 pounds since he's been in college, and he's got a good frame. So I think, uh, you know, this was, you know, about as good as it gets. He's, he's He graduated college, and there he is, in three years, was a 399 student. So he checks all the boxes for what Iowa likes from its guys. And uh, by the time he gets on campus, uh, you know, I'd expect him to probably rotate with A.J. Epineza and, uh, you know, possibly, and certainly uh, Chauncey Golston, maybe John Wagner as well. And uh, who knows what uh, happens, you know, at a later time. Maybe if he gains 15 pounds, he slides inside. But I think he's a great pickup for the Hawkeyes. We know Epinesa, the kind of player that he is. And with even more reps, he expect those numbers to go up if he's healthy in 2019. You mentioned Chauncey Golson, though. He he showed some wiggle at times. He kind of showed a nose for the football. Seemed like he was always around the ball, fumble recoveries, things like that. What's the expectation level that you have for Chauncey Golson? Is this a guy... Against single coverage, you'd figure a lot of time and probably not a help as people are helping over on Epinesa. He could maybe approach all Big Ten type honors. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be you know a guy who's going to win a lot of one on one matchups. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you know, he tied for the Big Ten lead with three fumble recoveries last year, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, I think, you know, maybe all of them, but one was caused by Epinesa. But you know, I, I you know, he's so talented. He's long and he's athletic. Uh, but you know, maybe helping him out the most was the fact that. You know, he had to he had to play inside on a lot of reps, and so he had to learn how to use his technique inside as well as out. So when he's, um, you know, largely, I I'd assume that going forward, he's mostly an outside guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, he's able to to use some of those techniques, uh, you know, and apply them, you know, in his long arms. So I think he's going to be a you know an upside type of player. He's only going to be a junior. Uh, he, he had a lot of good reps, and and then of course opposite AJ Epineza. You know, he's not going to be the one drawing double coverage or, or you know, double blocking patterns very often. Maybe maybe somebody will chip on him once in a while, but he'll be able to build up a, quite a resume, I think, this year. And, uh, and Iowa has a chance to have some 
you know, to book in and just like they've had, in, you know, certainly last year. Yeah, no doubt about it, Doc. I, I, I'm hard pressed to find a Saturday. I liked his, I liked his season. I really did. And it seemed like every single Saturday he was making a play when, um, you know, you're not, you're looking for Nelson or you're looking who was ever coming to Hesse or if Epinesa was in the game and there's Golston making plays. Well, speaking of making plays, uh, there was a play made at the end of the, it was more than the, you know, the other 39 minutes were pretty in 39 minutes and 57 seconds or whatever it was were pretty any entertaining too but that final three seconds i mean just completely improbable i know they practice it but it was just perfect i mean connor mccaffrey throws it almost the length of the floor bear gets a fingertip on it gets it to weiss camp who turns around and banks one in and probably wouldn't do it uh given the other 99 times he probably is only going to make it once but who cares he made it when it counted what an improbable finish scott darkerman yeah it really was i mean it was a tough hard-fought game and, and Rutgers is a much better program than I think uh, they yeah, definitely what they were a few years ago. But you know they're climbing the ladder where they're not an easy out anymore, and and they you know they're a good rebounding team and they were physical and tough. But that last play, I mean, you know, part of me always wonders. Try to get the ball. You know, they had a timeout. They called timeout with three point two left, and then they threw the ball length of the floor. I mean, that play never seems to work except for this situation. And and you wonder, you know, why not just throw the ball? Into inbound it and try to get it to midcourt, call a timeout so you have a, a better shot. But but then that would take away from all the theatrics and uh, just the deflection, the way Joe Wieskamp shot it, you know, just kind of caromed off the top of the backboard. And I mean, you know, you can't do that in pool, let alone basketball. <laughs> so I mean, it was just such a an incredible shot. And, you know, and man, you know, and I just, I wrote last week after the Northwestern game just how, you know, Iowa has struggled so much in those types of moments and here they are back-to-back buzzer beaters to win it's just it's really remarkable two ways to look at that either this is a team that just has i don't know a, a rabbit's foot hanging over their head or there's a reason this team is struggling to beat northwestern at home struggling to beat Rutgers, though improved on the road what side of the theory do you subscribe to you know, I I tried I've tried for a long time to take the middle road on this one, and it doesn't do me very good on radio. But it is that you know, yeah, this team. You, you look at it, uh, you know, and going into the final four minutes against Northwestern, people are wondering if this is when the collapse starts. And then now here we are a week later, and a lot of people are really mad that they're not climbing in the AP poll. And and you got to you do have to look at the opponents, but then you also have to look and say, you know what. You know, both teams are what twelve and thirteen, so they're not they're not good, but they're not bad either. You go on the road, Rutgers, it was sold out. Yeah, you could see the physical level of play. I mean, there was just you know, this is not you going on the road in any sport is not easy, and I think basketball is the most difficult. And and so you, when you have all those things lined up against you, I mean, the Northwestern game they played poorly for thirty mm-hmm. on the road at at Rutgers. I don't think they did. No, I don't either. I think it was just a, a difficult place to play in a difficult game. So I think what you do is you, you say you, they're nine and five in the Big Ten. Uh, they've won twenty games, which is the first time in three years they've done it. Um, you know they've been fortunate, sure, but but they've also you know put themselves in a position to make those plays. And uh, you know going forward, they've got two challenging matchups this week and. And I think this is a team that's capable of, you know, if it wins those games, you know, certainly this is, you know, a very successful week. If not, it's not the end of the world. I mean, if, you know, Maryland presents some really challenges uh-huh. for Iowa, and, and if Iowa can't get past them, 
It's not like, oh, well, you know, this is the start of the collapse. Fran needs to be fired. This team's terrible. It's, you know, okay, these things happen, and, and you know, go get them again on Friday night. Do, yeah. do you know how Twitter works? You know that's what, how it'll actually happen. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're aware of Twitter. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, this this game tomorrow night, Doc, so many, so many uh, uh, kind of storylines with this. The only time the two schools are going to play this year. Iowa is, and I didn't think it would happen, but lo and behold, here they are. Some teams are coming back to them, and they're beating the teams that allows them to stay in their place, right? They're not losing to a Northwestern or Rutgers, so when somebody ahead of them in the standings loses a game, boy, if Iowa only could have won that game, they would have had a chance. Where I'm getting it, the double by Doc is very much in play. They've still got to play Wisconsin. I get that, uh, which is good because Wisconsin got the first one. But the double buy is not without the realm of possibility if they can beat Maryland tomorrow. Yeah, that's a big if. And Maryland and then Wisconsin late in a couple of weeks. I mean, those are the two critical games uh, for positioning as to whether or not they don't have to start until Friday versus Thursday. And uh, you know, considering yet last year they started on the first day, it's not a bad upgrade no matter what. But but this is a critical game, and I think it really this one, if you know, win or lose to me, will show us a lot in how we think Iowa matches up with the you know a potential say round of 32 slash Sweet 16 matchup because I think Maryland's in that realm. I mean, Bruno Fernando, I, I really like this you know to see how the the strategy plays out with him and Luca Garza. And, and Tyler Cook, because mm-hmm. Fernando is, you know, 6'10". He's a athletic. man. Yeah, I mean, good in so many areas, and as is Cook. And then, you know, Anthony Cohen, you know, he's a really mm-hmm. good point guard. Yep. How does Iowa handle? How, does, how do they defend a guy like that? They've struggled with that in the past, especially on defense. And Iowa's leading the, the Big Ten in scoring, but 13th in defensive points. So, I mean, you know, Maryland is fifth in both categories. So, I think this is just a, a really interesting matchup to me, probably for both teams, that gives you a really good barometer on how March has has a chance to play out. Doc, you know the, the X's and O's of the game, I think, as well as anybody on the beat. Take us to that final play against Rutgers. I mean, it goes back to the most famous, probably, basketball play of my lifetime, 1992 regional final, Duke-Kentucky. Don't put a, put a defender on the ball. Same thing happens there. Connor McCaffrey with a... Baseball background, and they let him get away a free throw to the end or other end of the floor. Are you a proponent of that? They double team Bohannon, or did Rutgers make a mistake? Uh, you know, in hindsight, you always say they made a mistake. <laughs> sure. and I think they probably made. I, I always think, in you know, cover the inbound ball, just distract him. It's kind of like a pass rush in mm-hmm. football. It's like you know, do you put eight men on the the goal line for a hail mary, or do you try to get somebody in the the quarterback's face? I think it's the same thing here. Try to get somebody in their face to obstruct their view or, or force them to make a, a, a perfect pass. Now, yeah, I get what to cover Bohannon because he can, he would have hit any kind of shot on the floor, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the luck involved of, of getting that ball tipped, I mean, that it didn't go out of bounds, that right. it went right to, to Wieskamp. And then Wieskamp had the opportunity, you know, to make that shot. And, and the way he shot it, it was just, you know, <laughs> it doesn't happen every day like that. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me in some ways almost the reverse of what happened to Iowa in uh, 1993 at Illinois when Andy Kaufman made that shot at the buzzer, and it was kind of a long pass. But, but you know, they, they guarded the, the, the ball, and you still get loose. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you can argue it either way, but I, I've always thought that it's best to get somebody in front of the passer because, you know, just to obstruct the view, you might tip the ball. 
Um, if nothing else, you know, you just really force them to make a perfect pass rather than just get the ball close. Mm. Yeah, and with McCaffrey, you put the ball in your right hand, you run to your right and hope that the, the other team doesn't realize you're a southpaw and then mm-hmm. put in your left and run left and throw it the length of the floor. Let me ask you about Luca Garza, who seems to be, his last few games, he's been struggling to shoot the ball. I think he's three or four of his last 18. Um, is the fatigue factor creeping in? Are they doing anything different to, um, you know, to, to, to prevent him from having an offensive impact on the game, Doc? You know, I think what they're what they're doing is, I mean, he's getting fouled, and you know, he's gotten a lot of fouls. I think you know, the two previous games, he really cost himself a chance to really be a factor. And then the other day, you know, you gotta you gotta respect what uh, Rutgers was able to do defensively. I mean, they're just a big physical team, and they really seem to stop him and doing a lot of what he's doing. Now he's he wasn't too bad from outside. I know he hit a a pretty big three, and it's just. Uh, you know, it's about getting letting him get going, and that's what's going to be fascinating with him against you know Fernando and how how much he can do there. Because you know, if he could draw some, I, I, if I were him, I would try to get to the free throw line. He's one of the best free throw shooters in the Big Ten. You know, he's fourth. I and I, and in that way, you might also draw a foul or two early on Fernando and change his game to go along with it. So you know, I, I remember that a little bit with Aaron White. That mm. he was struggling a little bit with his shot, just get to the free throw line, yep. and then he he get he make a couple of shots there, and then next thing you know, his game was back on. I think uh, Luca Garza should kind of follow that, and I think that'll be helpful for him and mutually beneficial, sir. Doc, uh, earlier Ken mentioned Iowa getting to that double buy up at the top injury again for Michigan State, already without Langford for the rest of the year. Now Nick Ward is banged up, and he's going to be out for a while. Michigan has maybe shown some cracks here the last couple of weeks. What's the record going to take to win the regular season title or get you a share? Is it fifteen and five? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that would probably be about right. Um, you know, Michigan plays Michigan State on Sunday, so that you know that knocks off one. And they play I twice think, down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're going to have to win out, and then maybe you grab a share of it, and that's. That's awful difficult, and I almost think that's, you know, with where Iowa's positioned, you know, two and a half games back with about two and a half weeks left, I think just don't worry about that right now. I think they're just too far back. Uh, take care of what you can to get the double by. You get into that last week, and, you know, okay, you've got, you know, road games at, at Wisconsin and Nebraska, and you've got a chance, that, then, yeah, chat it up. But, but right now, I, two and a half back with, with six to go or – or with uh, yeah, you know, with six to go, I think that's just too much to ask for this team to to put itself in that kind of position. Michigan going to win it or Purdue? Mm, I like Purdue. I think Purdue's too good. I think Purdue with Carson Edwards. Um, I like the way they've come along in Big Ten play. But uh, to me, I think the most fascinating discussion out of them all is uh, who wins Coach of the Year. And mm. I, I mean, I don't think you can dismiss mm. Rand McCaffrey. I mean, going from four and fourteen to probably at least double-digit mm-hmm. wins in the Big Ten. If, if you get to a double-buy situation where you're, you're, say, at minimum, uh, you know, 13-7, and uh, seven, maybe 14-6, and, and six, I think you got to consider that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he has a 10-game rebound in the Big Ten, Fran McCaffrey, 
McCaffrey has to be on the short list. You know, maybe Matt Painter would win it. Mm-hmm. But I think Fran's got to be close. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, what are you working on this week? Anything you want to alert the folks out there? And if you haven't already done so, folks, it's such an economical buy uh, for all your sports coverage. It's the future of where we're going to get our sports information. Terrific stable of writers, pro basketball, I mean pro or college, either any of your sports. It's there at The Athletic. It's more than just Scott Dockerman covering Iowa. It's a whole bunch of talent. Of people over there, uh, Doc. What are you working on this week? You know, I, I, I this will be this is kind of funny actually. I have tomorrow morning coming out. I have a a, a long form sit down with uh, Matt Campbell um, that's coming out, and uh, it's about thirty four hundred words. Wow! It's kind of uh, you know detailing everything from his decision to to, to bench uh, Zeb Nolan and go with Brock Purdy to why he decided to come to Iowa State to begin with and how difficult of a decision that was and, and kind of the sales job that Jamie Pollard put on him and his wife to, to do that. Um, how the, the most remarkable turnaround I've seen, even more than record, was what they did defensively and how they were able mm-hmm. to do that and the, and the conversations he and, and uh, uh, John Heacock had to do that. So, yeah, it's uh, so I'm kind of going off a little bit of the reservation this week, but... Uh, I you know I can't I can't say enough of how you know interesting I think Matt Campbell is and and hopefully uh, even Iowa fans might read it and they might grumble a little bit but <laughs> well they'll grumble yeah, yeah they'll grumble for sure and you've gone to the dark side and we know it's coming but uh, <laughs> you do a good job Doc you covered the state of Iowa the, the athletics better because you're part of it and we appreciate you coming on the show we'll talk to you a week from today thank you Scott Dockerman. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Look forward to reading that piece, Trent Condon, as you and I are both subscribers. 30-some thousand words. How long is that going to take, I wonder? you know, I got, I got How many a, words? No. He said 3,400. Didn't he say that? I thought 34,000. Maybe it was 3,400. That's a novel. I, I just got to figure out how long that I'm going to be reading. <laughs> I got you. So you're going to allocate your day accordingly. Right. I yeah. think he said 3,400. Thirty-four hundred. That makes more. Still hefty. That's still a big. That's still a big piece. No doubt about that. Uh, what do you got planned tonight? Give us your. Give it a little tube talk as we get out of here. Virginia, Virginia Tech early. That's where I'll be starting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, will you move to the Big Ten Network as I will at seven o'clock because I'm more interested in Illinois and Wisconsin. Well, I'll be doing the Hawkeye Habit podcast tonight, so. It'll be up at the Brewhouse 25. And who do you have on? Is there? Do you have a... No guest. It'll just be us uh, recapping the ridiculousness of Saturday night. That's amazing. And then previewing Maryland. A little women's basketball talk. Beating Maryland. They're uh, looking like a regular season title. Some wrestling talk getting ready for the end of the regular season there. But... So we'll have it on, and then it's Big Twelve tonight. Yeah, not I, either one. Maybe the TCU game, just because Iowa State plays them on Saturday. That my may dip over to that one. I'm telling you, West Virginia live dog tonight. And they get how many at home? Six and a half. That's a lot of points at home. Maybe do some shopping. Dean Wade is not going to play. Maybe get seven, seven and a half. You're going to hold out for seven. What's the number going to be tomorrow? Maryland and Iowa. Iowa by two and a half. Boy, it's a tough matchup for the Hawks. I wonder what Ken Palm has it at. Smith is a pain in the you-know-what. Fernando yes. is terrific. Cowan is great. Wiggins, good player. They got some guy. Tertian's got a team there. Mm-hmm. Ken Palm has it one. Iowa favored Haven, one. Iowa favored by one. If Iowa wins tomorrow, mm-hmm. so much to play. So many games yeah. left to play. Still got Indiana, Ohio State, Rutgers again, and then finish on the road, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Too early to go on the, uh, if they get to more, they get the double buy, but it'll certainly move them in the right direction. 
Fun show today. A lot of terrific college hoops from the weekend. Trent Condon, thank you as always. Murph and Andy, their next uh, local programming at 2. The Fanatics get you home. The Rush will start it all over again on a Tuesday morning at 6. We're swamped. John Walters, Bracketologist, Zuba Mahente. whole lot more tomorrow. Join us at 10, 1460 KXNO.